Romans chapter 12, and uh, we are going to continue in our series, but we're not, we're not picking up where we left off. We're going to back up a little bit in Romans chapter 12 and, uh, and uh, try to deal with some things before. Uh, we're still kind of in the introductory, I guess, of uh, the introductory uh, messages of this deal with spiritual gifts. I do plan on here soon getting into digging into each gift more, maybe in more detail. As last week, we finally gave the list out and kind of gave a little detail about those things here in Romans 12. But I want to back up just a little bit because before we can really get into our spiritual gifts, I mentioned these three things last week, that you need to discover your gift develop your gift, and deploy your gift. Before we can get there, we've got to get our, our hearts ready. There's some things that's got to happen in our life first. In Romans chapter 12, verse number 1, I want to read verses 1 through uh, several verses. We'll just read a little while, and then we'll stop and try to get as far as we can tonight in the message. And I want to start preaching on, and I may finish it, I don't know, but discovering your gift. So again, we're talking about discovering, developing, and deploying. So I want to begin preaching on discovering your spiritual gift. Look at the Bible says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For I say, through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office, so we being many are one body in Christ, and every one members one of another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith, or ministry, let us wait on our ministering, or he that teacheth, on teaching, or he that exhorteth on exhortation. He that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. He that ruleth with diligence. He that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be without dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil. Cleave to that which is good. Be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love in honor, preferring one another, not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Rejoice in hope, patient in tribulation, continue an instant in prayer, distributing to the necessity of the saints given to hospitality. We'll stop reading there uh, as we finish the sentence there and we'll try to get as far as we can here uh, tonight. One of the goals of our church has to be to move believers toward maturity 
and to ministry. That's got to be one of our goals in the ministry of the White Graves Baptist Church is to move people to go from being saved, to see them saved by the grace of God, and then to see them grow in the things of God, and then for them to find a place to serve God in. And that ought to be our goal. I remember reading in Baptist history about uh, the, uh, maybe, I don't know what you'd call him, but the father of the Separatist Baptist Revival which was the revival in America that caused uh, the South to be the, called what, the, the Bible Belt of America. And Shubal Stearns was pastoring that church there at Sandy Creek in North Carolina. And they said that he would see uh, the church would grow from a few handful of people. He'd see people saved and it'd get to maybe hundreds of people. And he would immediately start taking groups of people and sending them out to go and to start churches in other places. He would, he would see the church get too big is what he would say. And he would say, we need to go and uh, plant too many. you got 30 people uh, coming from this area. Then we don't need to be having y'all drive 30 miles away. Y'all need to be, uh, and of course they wouldn't drive in cars, right? And they wouldn't be traveling that far back then. But you get what I'm saying. Y'all, y'all are coming from that area. Then we need to plant a church over in that area. And they, he would send people around uh, all the way. And again, it spread all the way from uh, North Carolina, all the way down South Carolina into Georgia, thank God, and even across the Alabama and other places and so that was because uh, you had a pastor in those days in the late 1700s that had a hold of what Romans 12 is all about is seeing people saved and mature and then ministry saved, mature and then ministry saved, mature and then ministry and that ought to be the goal of the church if you're going to be a New Testament Bible believing church that is going to be what we are doing it should not be the same for and no more it ought to be a rotation, not because of church hopping, not because we're mad at this or that, but because we're sending folks out to do the work of God, sending folks out to serve the Lord. And maybe some not to send out, some to stay and to serve the Lord. Because again, we've got to have things go on here and to say and to serve here. And so not everybody is called to go out to serve, uh, but all are called to serve in some capacity. Now, I want you to understand something. There is no such thing as a professional Christian. There's no such thing as a professional Christian. Here's what I mean. You don't pay me to be a Christian. Amen. If you've got the idea, well, preacher, that's what we pay you for. You, my friend, have never much read your Bible or prayed or got a hold of God, and you're ignorant about the things of God. Now, if you take offense to the word ignorant, here's how you can fix that. Stop being ignorant. Amen. If I got offended about being ignorant, then I'd stop being ignorant. Amen. Y'all understand ignorant means you don't know something. So if you're offended by not knowing something, then start getting to know it. Learn it. Amen. Listen, we, I'm not a professional Christian. And there's no such thing as a professional Christian. There are Christians that's supposed to be serving God. And if you're a Christian, you're supposed to be serving God. We are all in the business of serving the Lord. And God has given to every one of you. If you're saved, a ministry. Now, if you uh, disagree with that, it would be only because you don't know better or you're not saved. Now, listen, what does your Bible say? Notice what it says in verse number 3. At the very end of the verse, it says this, According as God hath dealt to, notice those two words, every man the measure of faith. 
He has given every man a measure of faith. And then he goes on to say, For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office, so we being many are one body in Christ. Watch this. And every one members one of another. And then he says this, Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, and then he goes on to talk about these gifts. And he's still in the context of every man having a measure of faith. And so you have a ministry. And, the re- and listen, if you don't think you do, it's because you've not discovered it yet. And so tonight we want to begin at least talking about how we can discover the gift that God has given me to enable me to serve the Lord. I believe this. The reason so many Christians are floundering around with no fulfillment in their life is because they've never discovered their God-given ministry. I read this morning to our, at the chapel about Cain dwelling in the land of Nod. And you know what the land of Nod, you know what that name Nod means? It means a place of wandering. And I believe that there's a lot of Christians who live in Nod. They're just wandering around, aimless with no purpose to their life. They have no goals, no aims, no purpose at all. And here's why. Because they do not know what their God-given ministry is. Maybe that's you tonight. Maybe you ask, what does God want me to do? Maybe you ask, what is my ministry? Maybe you ask, if I knew what I was equipped to do, how do I do it? If I know what God's equipped me to do, how can I use it? And then again, there may be some of you tonight, you don't care whatsoever. There's some that you don't, it doesn't matter. You have a take it or leave it attitude about Christianity and uh, you are in the, and you are, uh, you are not in the, you are not pleasing the Lord with your life. If there's anything that ought to awaken the church, anything that ought to awaken Christians of the need of working and serving the Lord is the wickedness of the hour we live in. We live in dark days. Now, I don't know if these days are any darker than it has ever been. It was pretty dark in Noah's day. It was pretty dark in Cain's day. It was pretty dark in uh, the days of the judges in Israel. So I don't know if it is as dark as it has ever been, but I know it is dark. Amen. I know it is, uh, it is very sinful and wicked. And if anything ought to get our attention, it ought to be the wickedness of the hour we live in. If anything ought to get our attention is the lostness of our friends and our family those that are around us that do not know God, do not know Christ, and they're dying without Christ all around us. More people today died without Christ than died with Christ, according to the Bible. The Bible says there are many. There's many that's dying without him, but there's few that's dying with him. Now, the fact that we have such wickedness in the hour we live in, the fact that there's so many that are lost without God in the hour that we live in, ought to awaken us that we need more than just a handful of career Christians. We need, we need Christians to rise up and to do the work of God. We need Christians to discover, develop, and deploy their spiritual gift in the church, in the neighborhood, 
in, in, uh, in the business world, in your family, and wherever God chooses for you to use your ministry. But before we can go any further, we must look at verses 1 and 2 of this great chapter. Now, I know some of you hear these verses all the time maybe, uh, but you don't hear them all the time from me. So I'm here tonight going to deal with verse 1 and 2. I hope to get further than that, but if we don't, we don't. But I want you to look at verses 1 and 2. The first thing we have got to understand before we can discover our ministry or the gift that God has given is we must understand who the Lord is. Or if I could say it like this, the Lordship of our life. And that don't make me nervous and it makes you nervous. You don't have to get over it. Lordship in our lives. Notice what he says. First of all, I wrote down this, the request. I beseech you Therefore, brethren, I see here, I see a request being made by God through the Apostle Paul. This is the heart of God. This is the burden of God. I can just imagine tonight as we were taking prayer requests, as we were asking people to, to give their prayer requests, I can just imagine the, the, the Lord himself being in our midst and him raising maybe his hand or maybe just standing up and saying, I have a prayer request. And I'd say, yes, Lord, what is your request? And he would say this. I believe this would be his heart. He would say, would you pray for the harvest? Would you pray for laborers? There is a great harvest. There is 8 billion people in the world and many of them have never heard the name, my name. Many of them have never heard the name of Jesus. Many of them have never heard the gospel. Many of them do not have a copy of the Bible. Many of them do not have a church to attend, not just on Wednesday night, but any day of the week. And if they do have a place to attend, they have to sneak through government oppression. I have a burden to see all of the world saved by the marvelous grace of God. I have a burden to see the gospel go to every continent, to every creature. And would you pray for laborers? The reason that's not happening is not because my grace is not sufficient. It's not because the gospel is not powerful enough. It is because I do not have enough people to go and to do the work that I have called them to do. Would you pray for laborers? And then I don't believe he would be done there. And he would say, preacher, if it'd be all right. And of course it would be because this ain't my church as he is. Amen. He'd say, can I just implore the church and beg the church? Uh, can I beg you individually uh, to give yourselves to me? Uh, would you present your bodies a living sacrifice? Uh, I can see almost as if uh, the Lord Jesus Christ would get out on his knees uh, and beg. Uh, would you please present your body uh, a living sacrifice to me? Uh, would you please uh, do this for me? Would you? And I thought about this. I wonder how many prayers that I've not had answered because I've not answered the prayer of our dear Savior. I wonder how many prayers of my life have been unanswered because the Holy God of Heaven's got a prayer request. Would you go? Would you do? Would you present your body a living sacrifice of me? And because I've ignored his prayer request, I wonder how many of them he's ignored of mine. God's got a prayer request, and he's begging. He's got a request, I beseech you therefore, brethren. He's requesting for us to present ourselves 
to Him. I ask you a question. Have you answered that request? Have you, some of you in this room, are so addicted to technology, a notification comes on your device and it hurts you not to answer it. It, it kills you almost. The beep sounds, the vibrate vibrates, whatever happens, and it just almost, you got to, you just got to see who it is. What if it's an emergency? That's our lame excuse. Wonder what it'd be like if we got like that about God. I wonder. God's sending notification after notification after notification. He's blowing our phone up, if you will. And can I use a young person tech, a terminology? And we're leaving him on unread. Where I hear the young people, we're ghosting him. It means you just disappear out of the conference. Oh, Sunday morning we might pop back up in the DMs. Sunday night, maybe. Some of you on Wednesday night, you here, but you ain't here. You on your phone right now. I know, you ain't got the Shekinah glory glowing on your face, and I ain't that stupid. <laughs> but you're sliding on out the rest of the time. He's saying, I beseech you, therefore, brother. I'm begging you. And then he gives the reasons why he's requesting this. He says this, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. You think about that. You th we were rebels we were sin cursed. We were darkened and dead on our way to hell. And God in his mercy, he sought us out. God in his mercy saved us. And God in his mercy secured us. And by his mercy, he bought us. He purchased us. And oh, he says because of the mercy of God, because of the mercy of God, present yourself. A living sacrifice. That's the reason. What other reason do we need? What other reason do you need to serve the Lord? He gave his life for you on Calvary. What other reason do I need to serve the Lord? Oh, they're mad at me. Got a call on Sunday night about something that their feelings hurt. Don't know if they're coming back or not because their feelings are hurt. We get all in our feelings and we get all mad. Hey, I don't have my reason, my reason to serve him cannot be because people like it or not. My reason for serve him can't even be if that dear lady walking back there with that baby likes it or not. My reason for service cannot be whether people like it or don't like it. It's got to be because Jesus saved me from hell. And that's where I'd be tonight had he not saved me. The reasons. And then I think about presenting ourselves. He bought us. We're not even our own. And so presenting ourselves is really just taking our hands off of something that belongs to him already. Just taking our hands off of it. Then I see not only the reasons, the request, I see the, I see the requirement. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye, ye, Present your bodies a living sacrifice. Here's the requirement. You have to give yourself. Nobody else can give you away. And you can't give nobody else away. 
Now, while we preach, every time we preach, this ought to be true, but especially during this series on spiritual gifts, you should not think about what everybody else's gift is. You shouldn't think about anybody else's gift. You need to be thinking about what's your gift because you can't present nobody else's body. You can't present my body and I cannot present yours. And I say this, if you couldn't mind, you would give it up in a heartbeat. And if I could yours, I would give it up. I'd give it to him. But they don't work like that. You've got to give yourself. Listen to me, young person. You're not going to fall in love with Jesus until you fall in love with Jesus. And if you don't fall in love with Jesus, it won't be mom and daddy's fault. It won't be the preacher's fault. It won't be the Sunday school. Man, they just It'll be your fault if you don't fall in love with Jesus. An old person, the same goes for you. If you've fallen out of love with Jesus, it ain't because of some past uh, preacher you've had or it ain't because of some past church hurt you had. It is because you have chosen not to present your body a living sacrifice to God. It's your fault. It's my fault if I don't. It's a requirement. Here's the thing. Give yourself. He says present your... He's not going to force you to do it. This is a volunteer army. There's not a draft this is a volunteer army. I thought about, I wrote these things down under the, the requirement. It's personal. You've got to present yourself. No one else can. It's pricey. You present yourself a sacrifice. I don't have time to deal with that Old Testament sacrifice, but I'll say this. You must be willing to give your whole self to him. All of your rights, all of your ambitions, all of your everything is in the altar for him. William Booth, the founder of the Salvation Army, was asked one time, how is it that God has used you so greatly, Mr. Booth? He looked at that man and said this, God has had all there was of me. He said there have been greater minds, there have been greater speakers, there have been greater organizers, but God has had all there was of me. I asked you and I asked myself, does God have all there is of me? It's pricey. It's personal, but I'll tell you this, it's principled. Do you find yourself charged at a message like this? Already, I've not even dug deep into the message, but a charge about a message by serving God. We have missionaries coming here all the time about serving God, only to be distracted a few hours later. Sunday morning charged about having a place and having a preacher and, and having, having a Bible. And then by lunchtime, already forgot what God has charged you with. Tonight, you walk out of here charged up about, I mean, you want to take on hell with a water pistol. You feel like swinging over hell on a wet noodle and hollering, boo at the devil. But by the time you lay your head on your pillow tonight, other things have flooded your mind and distracted you. Here's why. Two reasons, you don't have devotion and you don't have discipline. You know why it's January 31st and the gyms are empty? No discipline. You know why the latest diet fad of 2024 is already faded? No discipline. Worse than that, you know why Christians are sitting on their stool of do-nothing? Lack of discipline. You don't have discipline. You don't have devotion. You may do it out of duty, but I've preached a message, and I may need to pull it out again about King Uriah, who he did it without a pure heart. He did all the right stuff without a pure heart. And I'm telling you, you do, you do it too long without devotion, and it'll turn into destruction. It's pricey. It's principled. 
I'll tell you what we've got to do is we've got to get self out of the way. If we want to be used of God, we have got to get self out of the way. See, mo most people in the church want blessing. Many, sadly, want entertainment. A lot of what people want information, but very few want to lay on the altar of sacrifice. We have a take it or leave it mentality. We wonder why we don't know the will of God, why we're not used of God, and why we don't experience the power of God. You know why you don't? It ain't the preacher's fault. It ain't the song leader's fault. It ain't because the choir ain't got it on tonight, today, or the song ain't right or whatever. It's because you are not laying your life on the altar of sacrifice. Because I can have church all by myself. What I mean by that is whether anybody else is getting anything from the meeting, anybody else getting anything from the service, you lay your life on a sacrifice. I've been in some crazy places before and God meet with me there. Amen. I've been in some places drier than cracker juice, as my wife would say, and I'm telling you, God has met with me there because I laid my life, my life on a sacrifice. Then I've been in some places where everybody else was getting help and I wasn't. I'll tell you why. It's because I didn't lay my life now on an altar of sacrifice. We got to get out of the way on the power of God. Well, we see the requirement, we see the reasons, we see the request, but then I see the result of this in verse number two. And be not conformed to this world. You know what that word conform means? It means squeezed into the mold of this world. And if we're not in a generation where the church is squeezed into the mold of this world, we're there, buddy. We're there. We could talk about everything else going on, but what about the church? I expect Joe Biden to do what lost people do. He's lost. And guess what? If Trump gets in, I'll expect him to do what lost people do too because he's lost. Amen. You like that or not, but I don't care what you think about it. Just be honest with you. Don't even come talk to him about it in the, in the, in the foyer. Okay? Boy, ain't never, the man ain't never seen himself a sinner. Okay? And he, you ain't never going to get saved that way. Amen. Now, I hope he does get saved. I hope Joe Biden gets saved and Camel Harris or whatever her name is too. Amen. I don't even know how to say her name. Mr. Mrs. Miserous Vice President, whatever. Where was that? Conform, squeezed into the ways of this world. You know why church services look worldly today? Because church people look worldly today. It's amazing. We'll holler, and I'm holler. I'm against it. I'm against. I'm against church looking like a stupid concert. I ain't never understood it, by the way, and I don't care what they say. Why? Why are we putting purple and blue and? pink lights on a stage in a church for anyway. That's so stupid. Let's go ahead and say we're not voting on that around here, okay? And we're not painting the walls black, and we're not putting a bunch of pink and purple lights up. Amen. We're not moving the pulpit unless we get another pulpit. Amen. And I don't mean a little bar stool coffee table. Amen. Amen. You say, well, well I, we'll vote you out. Well, then you'll have to vote me out. We can get that done. Hey, we ain't doing it, friend. I'm not showing up here in no skinny jeans. God, help a fat man in skinny jeans anyway. <laughs> or short pants and a V-neck shirt. And we're just going to have a little talk. God, help it, friend. Looking like a concert with a bunch of praise band. I'm having a praise band. Here's what the praise band is. It's the choir. Amen. And listen, I'd love to have more instruments up here. Hey Amen. I, I, I don't care if we had, I had to build a whole other section for a bunch of instruments being played. Hey, but listen, we're not having a bunch of flag teams, a bunch of drama skit, 
white glove wearing. We're not having much of that stuff. You hear me? It's a church. But I'll tell you why people want that stuff, because out in the world, they're just like that. It's amazing to me how many, I'm getting off of it. We've got to get right back where we're at. We're conformed to this world's what we are. Squeezed in the, you know why? We don't, why they're having, this is why, this is why they're having to recruit people to missions. It's because the church has sold all their young people off to the military and to colleges and careers. I'm going to say it. We don't need no more Christian plumbers. Most of them is making a bad name for us anyway. We don't need no more Christian construction workers. I'm not saying if you're in that line of work and you're doing it now, stay in it, serve God. But I'm telling you, young person, we need somebody to serve God with their life. To say, God, you've got all of me. You know why I don't get to preach youth meetings no more? Because I got so sick and tired of pastors and youth pastors getting up behind when I preach messages like this and say, well, now, well, now, if you want to be a doctor as long as you love the Lord, Brother Will's a little fanatical. I've told a couple of them, I said, don't have me back. Wonder why. The same, that same crowd is the one posting all over social media. We need a youth pastor at our church. If you're interested in youth work in our youth, some please send us a resume. Wonder why you've got to have somebody working with youth. Because you've run them all to the mill or to the career or to the college. Go join the military. That'll fix it. Some, some of this makes you nervous, and, that, and, that, and that, that don't make me nervous. This is Bible, friend. People are dying going to hell, and we need some more corporations. People are dying on going to hell, and we need some more carpet. People are dying and going to hell, we need another building built. Come on now. Give me a break. God's begging somebody. Give me your body. Just give me yourself. God is begging us. Just present yourself. A sacrifice to me. Be not conformed to this world. But be transformed. Notice what he says. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's what we've been brainwashed is what we've been. We've been duped by American Christianity. Been sold a false bag of goods. Maybe America does need to fall. Maybe America needs to crumble at her knees. Maybe that'll get the attention of the church. Because I tell you what, if Europe would have fell, she'd probably be better off today. You say, what do you mean? She's overrun by Muslims now. About 90% of Europe's Muslim. The places where God met with his people, the greatest revivals we read about happened in Europe, and now it's 90% Muslim. Maybe if it just fell off the map, it'd been better off. I'm you, friend, we've messed up. Transformation. And then information, renewing of your mind. Notice what he says in verse number. He said, listen, I'm not mad at nobody except the devil. We need some 
passion again about this thing. If this bothers you, don't watch no ball games, no coaches act no way. Because they're rallying for them kids to score a basket. I'm rallying for some people to get on fire for God. Verse number four, or verse number three says this, for I say through the grace given, no, he said verse number two, be not conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Look what it says in verse three. For I say through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God had dealt to every man the measure of faith. You'll be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You'll think, think, think. Adrian Rogers said, you get right with God, the will of God will be between your ears. You, real, you get right with God, the will of God will be between your ears. Meaning this, God's, God's, God don't, don't need, need stupid people. What do I mean by that? God's not trying to take and make you brainless. He wants you to think about this thing. He wants to renew your mind. He wants you to get your mind off the things of this world and things American Christianity sold you. and Get your thinking about the will of God for your life. Get you thinking about selling out to God. Transformation, information. I'm talking about the request, God's begging. I beseech you, therefore, brethren. I see the, the reason is by the mercies of God, and the requirement is presenting your bodies a living sacrifice, and the result is this that you'll be transformed. That word transform means changed. It's the same word. You've studied about a, what a caterpillar, caterpillar does in that cocoon. It goes from a nasty worm to a beautiful butterfly. Metamorphosis. And that's exactly what happens. When you get in the will of God, he'll transform you. And he's transforming, starting with your mind. But you know what he's got to use? He's wanting to use your body. He's wanting to use you. He's wanting to use you. Say this real quickly, verse 4 and 5. We see not only the lordship, we see the membership. The church is not an organization with, with Jesus as the CEO, but it's a body with Jesus as his head. It's an organism. It's an organism. And it needs every person giving to the body. Everybody working for the body. Verse 4, for we, as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office. We've talked about that over and over and over again. If you're not getting it, let me just say it one more time. Your ear and eye don't do the same thing, but thank God for both of them. Your foot and hand don't do the same thing, but thank God for both of them. And we value some parts of our body more than others, don't we? You ever, you ever heard somebody say, I'd give my right arm for that. I'd give my right arm for that. You ever heard anybody say, I'd give my left lung for that. We don't say that, do we? We value that right arm because we think it's our strong one. Well, I wouldn't want my lung to go away. Church, here, here's the thing you're not going to find your gift outside the body of Christ. You're not going to find your gift apart from the body of Christ. 
You're going to have to be a part of the body of Christ. See, here's the thing. We're all different and we have different roles. Why? Because we need each other. We are not independent of each other. We need each other. We're fitly framed together. We're a body. My children, I'll tell you this and I'm done. My children's been trying to wrap their mind around my sister's surgery today. The other day we was talking about they're going to take that bone out of her leg and put it in her shoulder. And I don't remember if it was Maggie or Nolan. They were sitting in the back seat, was driving, and they just couldn't wrap their mind around it. And, and finally, they were like, how in the world are they going to take a bone out of her leg and put it in her shoulder? How does that even work? And, they, and I could just... I could just tell. I mean, they were thinking, they were not being, they were, they were thinking about this thing. And finally Maggie said, well, I guess her foot will be right by her knee when they get done. Because she couldn't imagine, well, you, how you take that bone out of your leg and put it up here and, it's still, and your leg would still be whole. Because she had, she had enough sense to know that bone in her leg has got a purpose for being that leg. Now, now, you know, if this works, praise the Lord, I don't know them people in medicine no more than I do, but God didn't mean for that bone to be in her leg, in her, in her shoulder. God put it in her leg. All right? You got what I'm saying? God put it that way. And so my, my little girl's got enough sense to know that, that leg bone's supposed to be a leg bone. And it's supposed to be to walk on, not to pull your shoulder around. And so she couldn't see. Listen. She saw how important that one part of the body was. You probably don't think much about your leg bones unless they are hurt. But you need it. Principal membership. We need each other. We'll talk next week about, or next time about stewardship. We'll look more at these spiritual gifts. I'll ask you a question this morning, this evening. I've already asked you the question, but I'm going to ask you again. Does God got all of you? Then ask you if you've got all of God, because if you're saved, you've got all of God you ever gonna get. You don't need more God. Somebody say, you know what this country needs? I need more God. No. No, that's not what this country needs. It's don't, they don't need more God. But God's people need to give God more of them. So I ask you, could you say like William Booth? God, how do you say it? God has had all there was of me. Have you presented yourself a living sacrifice? Have you? Holy, acceptable unto God. Which is your reasonable? Here's what that reasonable means, and I'm done. It just makes sense. Matter of fact, the opposite of that's true as well. It don't make sense not to give yourself to Him. And I believe the reason the church is so ineffective in the hour we live in is because the world looks on and says, that don't even make sense. Their Savior, their, their God died for them on the cross, and they won't even live for Him. That don't make sense. Their God supposedly changed their life and gave them a home in heaven and they, they, they act just like we do. They say this, that don't make sense. And I say this, it don't make sense for us not to give ourselves a living sacrifice. It don't make sense.
It don't make sense. So God's begging you. Will you answer the prayer requests of God today and give yourself? Not going to pull on the heart strings or the heart strings. Just a time of reflection, time of thinking, time of thinking soberly, thinking humbly, thinking righteously. What is it God wants me to do? I believe this with all my heart. He's never going to give you directions for your life until you give him your life. He's never going to tell you the will of God until you, he has you. Until you've surrendered your all to him. I mean, just give it all up to him. When the songwriter says, I give it all to him. Do you? The hymn writer said, all to Jesus I surrender. Do you? You give your all to Jesus. Has he had all of you there is? From the youngest to the oldest in here, does he have all of you? If you think you're too old to serve God, then why don't you just ask God to get you out of this world? Because if he left you here, if he's left you in this world, he has got something for you to do. And I'm sorry, I'm not spiritual enough to know what he's got for you to do. That's not my place as a pastor to find out what you're supposed to do. You must find the will of God. My place is to equip you to do what you feel like God's called you to do. My place is to give you opportunity to use what God's called you to do. But not to tell you what God's called you to do. Does God have all of you there is?